gotten a, a full football season, survived the parade of, of angry Twitter fans for whatever reason they were angry about that day. We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have Brian Marceau and Alex the Boat Boatman. How are you both doing today? Doing great. Fantastic. Good, good, good to hear it, because we have a very, uh, I guess, important and fun interview today. We have the Big Sky Deputy Commissioner, Dan Satter. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. I don't know if I'm important, but I will try to be fun. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. No, I mean, we appreciate you coming on, especially with, I'm sure, your guys' life right now is just a huge whirlwind with news. You're probably missing out on news right now by taking the time to to join us. So so we appreciate that. And uh, uh, it, it, it's, I think it's important for, for us and the big sky and our fan base to kind of hear from you guys. And I think that's what you guys do so well is, mm-hmm. is being a part of that. Uh, so we're extremely happy to have you on the episode. And this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit montuckycoldsnacks.com today to find out how to get ya ass some snacks. All right, we're going to jump right into Around the Bar because uh, we got Dan just for a limited time. Um, and to catch listeners up, uh, basic news we had last week is after a vote by university presidents, uh, the Big Sky Conference will postpone fall season with the hope of playing in the spring. The current, although maybe tentative, uh, and I say tentative meaning just it's not like written in stone, would be to play an eight-game conference season in the, in the spring, uh, again with the hope of a shortened FCS playoffs to follow. Also, the possibility of teams playing a fall non-conference season is still – on the table, but the guidelines for fall play, let's say in terms of scheduling and the number of games has not yet been determined. Uh, The announcement also does not necessarily impact other fall sports at this time. First question, Dan, A, did I get anything wrong there? And B, can you give us uh, kind of a cliff notes rundown of what the process was to take us to where we are today? Yeah, no, Brian, I think everything you said, as I remember it, is correct. Uh, certainly, you know, I think we all have to put the asterisk on this, that things are subject to change. So uh, it's a very developing and, and fluid situation in a lot of ways. But, yeah, no, right now, um, you know, we had to arrive at a decision about football, uh, first and foremost, for a variety of reasons. And while, you know, a final decision was made by our president's council, last week, you know, it's been something that's been um, discussed and analyzed, you know, for five months, right, since the pandemic started about what would the fall look like and how um, or if we would be able to play safely and, you know, health and safety in mind, first and foremost, right? Are we able to do that? Are we able to um, pull off a season and feel good and confident about going into it that way? And, while it certainly impacted our, our spring sports and having to cancel that and basketball, um, you know, we were looking ahead toward the fall to try to see what would be possible. But, you know, as we just looked at all of the information and we formed a health and safety committee that includes a doctor or trainer from all 13 of our football schools and what protocols would be in place and what testing is available and how quickly can you get the testing results back. And all of those factors um, coming together, 
you know, just really kind of led us to the, the right thing to do. And, and this is ultimately obviously what the president's decided was to postpone our conference play until the spring. So we've got some more kind of decisions here on the horizon for what other fall sports would look like and uh, making a final decision, you know, for our schools about non-conference and, and whether or not that would happen. But, you know, as we sit here today on uh, August 11th, that's uh, that's where we stand. You know, Dan, you kind of hit on uh, the non-conference aspect there for a second. So I just kind of wanted to kind of touch on that. Some schools in the big sky, uh, like Idaho State, Montana, and Eastern Washington have already said, um, no, we're not going to play any non-conference in the fall. But however, um, every news we've heard out of the University of Idaho is that Idaho is interested in playing um, three games in the fall, up to three. And as of right now, I think our game against Temple on September 12th is still scheduled to go. No announcement has been made from either school on that game. Um, what are maybe some guidelines that we could see with regards to football in the fall with re for non-conference, you know, i.e. practice time? Um, is there going to be a set number of practices, certain dates they have to complete the games by? Just kind of all the things that people don't think about um, when it comes to not having a season, I guess, in the, in the coming up part of the fall. Yeah, there are a lot of decisions to be made. And while, you know, some of them would be on a conference level, some of them, quite frankly, you know, are being discussed at the NCAA level because they'd impact programs across the country. And does a, you know, spring ball in the fall type of a schedule get arranged? You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case on, on a national level, if the, the football oversight committee works to, create a calendar and what that looks like from a, a practice standpoint. You know, when our presidents met last week, they wanted some more time to look at the non-conference part of it because so many schools are in so many different places right now. You know, whether that's their availability of testing, whether it's state and local guidelines, whether it's they already had all their games canceled or they hadn't. And some of the things have changed, you know, even since that meeting with the Mountain West making its decision so that has impacted a lot of our non-conference scheduling since we had so many games um, slated against that conference. So a, a lot of factors at play there, you know, but what we want to try to do is figure out, you know, how can we keep um, our student athletes, our teams engaged, give them that opportunity to practice as long as we can do it safely. You know, there are um, certainly some guidelines that the NCAA has provided in, in regard to that, but you know, there may be um, different levels of what's necessary if you're in practice versus if you're in a competitive season, you know, when you've got travel involved and you're going to be playing in, in, in football, you know, sweating, pushing, tackling against, you know, people from other states and, um, you know, what, what protocols are necessary there may differ than if you're just going against your own squad uh, in practice in a little more of a, a controlled environment. So uh, still a lot to be determined, but, you know, that that obviously begins now in, in earnest to make those decisions as well as what what a spring looks like, because we've never had a competitive season uh, in the spring for college football. Yeah, and I, I think that hits on kind of one of our next questions. Uh, you know, we, we've had the great fortune of having be a part of a couple different talks that our athletic director, Terry Gallick has been a part of, and we've felt and uh, that Idaho has been very much ahead of the curve and, and proactive in trying to come up with this between being one of the first schools to announce in-person attendance procedures. Uh, and, and I know when one of the calls we listened to, she was talking about exploring options to where red shirt and gray shirted players would be the ones running the chain so that we don't even have like chain gang and keeping down the amount of people involved and, and, and a lot of different examples of, of things like that. And I guess, were there any schools in particular, I mean, other than Idaho that were that you felt were very much like coming up with some of the ideas and seemed to have things in the right motion that we could have, like that were, you know, being part of the Big Sky's ultimate decision process and what the standards would be? Yeah, you know, Terry and, and President Green have been very uh, proactive. You know, you got great leadership there with, uh, the two of them, you know, but one of the things that's been really great, um, you know, a silver lining here, if you will, obviously we wish we weren't going through this, but 
the, the way our conference members have come together, even if they won't necessarily have um, a unanimous opinion about everything. And, it, you know, I fully expect that, right? When you've got mm-hmm. 13 different voices, 13 different perspectives, we cover eight different states. So they're literally and figuratively in different states um, with what they're experiencing. And, you know, when and how COVID has hit their areas has differed too, right? In the springtime, when we had to make a decision um, about our spring sports, you know, it was heavier in some areas than it is now and um, vice versa about that some areas have recovered a little quicker or some have seen this, whether it's a second surge or a late surge, right? So that, that perspective, you know, has changed over time, but the uh, collegiality that our leagues demonstrated, you know, coming together and working through this and talking more than ever before, you know, normally we'd bring the ADs together in person a few times a year and there might be one or two conference calls, but, you know, we've been Zooming with them twice a week. So, you know, just like anything else, I think, you you know, you develop those relationships, the more you interact with somebody. So everybody's trying to work toward the same goals, right? We all want to do this mm-hmm. safely and we want to take care of everybody who's involved and make sure, you know, we're doing it the right way. So everybody's got that perspective now, you know, just like we're seeing across the country right now with different conferences and the decisions they're making or when they're making them or how they're going about making them. Uh, you know, there's no different than what every kind of campus is experiencing and what may work in Moscow, you know, may not work in another part of the West or another part of the country. But, uh, you know, if there's a, a good plan and uh, everybody's been discussing it and has the contingency laid out, you know, we're, we're eager to see how that goes and certainly rooting for it to succeed. Related to what you were saying, Dan, about, you know, the universities and the conference working together. Um, I'm, on, I'm mainly curious about this so that we can make fun of other fan bases. If the split is the way we hope, uh, can you tell us, was the vote to postpone unanimous? And if it wasn't unanimous, any way you can give us a vote breakdown? Uh, you know, I, I can't share uh, exactly how the vote <laughs> went, but, you know, no, I think it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that vote was um, unanimous that it was the right thing to do about for conference play for football. You know, again, they wanted more time to talk about non-conference and, and those individual circumstances, like I alluded to earlier, but, you know, you, you need a certain amount of teams in order just to, to have a conference, right. To make it work and to ma- have it make sense. And, you know, right now we've got a bunch of schools, unfortunately, where they're located that they're not even allowed to have a, a real football practice right now, just based on the number of people that they can have gathered together. So to think that, you know, in four weeks, they were going to go from not even being able to do that to putting on pads and playing a game, you know, wasn't realistic. But what could possibly go wrong with that? Yeah. You know, so and, and, you know, we'll see how all of this plays out. I think a really important data point for us is going to be how how does this work when regular students return to a campus, too? Right. How does that go over? Um, We don't know yet. And I think we'll learn a lot from that and we'll have the benefit now of a couple of months to learn from that and manage it and react to that to be prepared so that when, you know, hopefully we can get our winter sports going, we're, we're prepared to know what that variable looks like. That certainly is going to um, be a factor in this. Um, but, you know, in, in each campus, you know, just like you said, with Idaho's um, bringing students back and, and some of our other schools are having, you know, the majority of classes are going to be, done virtually and, and some are a hybrid model. And so, you know, all of them are, are going to have to manage kind of those situations accordingly and, and figure out to the best way of how they can, you know, provide the services for the, their student athletes safely, depending on, you know, the types of facilities they have and the number of teams and when they're competing and, and all those factors. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to, to learn here. And I think that's, you know, the, one of the most important things we can all do Right. In in an unprecedented situation like this is to, you know, use our experience to make us better and to make better decisions moving forward. 
you know, Dan, I want to talk about kind of the spring season. Um, there's kind of a two-part question I got for you here. Um, you know, as of right now, that sits – the presence voted to sit that at eight games. Um, a, is, is there flexibility for that to change? Could it be more or less depending on if more uh, conferences like the Mountain West move to the spring and the teams can schedule like a money game or a non-conference uh, in the spring? And then, um, you know, one argument that people, that people have against the spring season right now is it's not logistically possible. How can you play – a season in the spring, then turn around and play a full season four months later in the fall. Um, you know, what kind of drove the presidents to think that, okay, yeah, it is, it is logistically possible to play uh, a spring season. Sure. So just one point to clarify with that is, you know, the, the president's decision was to move to play in the spring. And I, I know our commissioner has talked um, in some of the interviews he did is that, you know, one of the models we've looked at is in, what an eight game conference schedule would look like, but that wasn't officially voted on or decided yet. So still to be determined, you know, I think we've got a lot to learn and, and the point Alex, you made about what impact that would have on the fall, you know, is certainly top of mind for us. And we've got to figure that part out of what, what does that look like that if we play X amount of games in the spring and, you know, hopefully there's an FCS playoffs, right. And hopefully we've got numerous teams in it like we did in 2019, how much time off, you know, is right in, you know, what, if any changes would we want to make? And I say we, but this would, I would imagine be, you know, an NCAA wide, a broader decision see made about summer conditioning and about fall camp. And then, you know, are, are we planning to play the full slate for the 21 fall? Um, but all those things in, in some way are um, related. So I think one of the things that, you know, we hope to learn more about here is, you know, with the NCAA, will it officially move the FCS playoffs to the spring? Uh, no secret that we are strong proponents of wanting to see that happen. But, you know, what does that field look like when, is selection day and then how long do the playoffs run how many teams you know all that obviously to be determined if it moves to the spring what does it look like there but that would i think you'd start backwards right from knowing those dates to shape your schedule and how much time would our teams want you know assuming they report to campus after the new year to be in camp to be ready for that spring season you know and and how many games and you know what other conferences do we do we want to keep at conference only or do we want to look at, you know, non-conference games? You know, I think some of that will kind of sort itself out with what decisions other conferences make and, and how strongly we feel about, um, you know, keeping a conference only slate and, and what we're uh, playing for at that point. Again, we hope it's an FCS. Uh, we hope we're playing for FCS playoff bids and, and a chance to win a national title. But um it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, all these things that we just have been on autopilot for that happened in the fall and we know what's going to be, um, you know, Thanksgiving weekend is, you know, that first round and, and so on and so forth. But now we're, uh, we're getting a chance to, uh, you know, recreate it and think about it. So, you know, that's something that uh, I'm sure there'll be uh, a lot of discussion about and, and, you know, That'll be great to just get people talking about games and schedules and different things like that. I, I hope we're at that point where that's becoming a reality and um, you guys are on this podcast arguing about what decisions were made. <laughs> yeah, we'll be arguing about something either way, but yeah, I hope it's about that as well. Um, <laughs> I, I I wrote a piece, I don't know, blog post type deal on our website talking about like some of the questions I had about spring football. And I feel like as times come out, a lot of them have started to become answered. And this is one I, I'm not sure I it would be surprised actually, if you had an answer, cause I get that you guys are waiting so much on the NCAA, which is so much reliant on what the power five's doing, which uh, is coming every day, but has there been any inclinations about what's going to happen to the recruiting class from 2021 because I know with now having early signing period in December, it's becoming ever more popular for high school students to graduate early to be able to make campus in January and make spring practice. 
Now, also with JUCO players and other transfers, it's becoming no, it's possible to have up to words of 10 players on a team that are part of our 21 recruiting class be part of that uh, spring practice with now the possibility of a spring season or well, the goal of a spring season. Has there been any inclination on if those recruits, if they're on campus January, if they're eligible to play with the recruits from, you know, the 2020 class and almost have one and a half of a recruiting class playing in your spring season? So it's a great question. And we, we don't have final answers on that yet. You know, that's, um, we've got this running list of things that need to be determined and, you know, how um, rosters are, are managed is, is right there. You know, you've got so many circumstances coming into play. You've alluded to some of them of, you know, some of the athletes who report early and start in January, you know, right now you've got, um, you know, I'm thinking about the seniors. This was supposed to be their final Mm -hmm. season that are, were graduating um, in December, right? That was their plan. I'm going to play my fall and graduate in December. And, and now they're, you know, that plan's been turned upside down. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, I know we're advocating that all of these fall athletes um, retain the year of eligibility, you know, um, we got to see what that looks like though. Obviously we hope they're able to use that in the, in the spring for a season, but we'll have to better understand that. Um, you know, there's all kinds of implications, though, with this, with recruiting and the number of scholarships you have and um, the number of athletes you bring in. And, and you know, that, that timing factor, you know, is going to have to be worked out, but nothing, nothing's been finalized yet. And, you know, something like that, as you mentioned, you know, would be a, a national decision, right? And, and while we have some representatives on some committees that will have some influence about that, you know, the, there I would fully expect to be an NCAA-wide policy that would govern that. You know, relating to to the other, you know, players, other athletes, Dan, the Pac-12, we're recording on Tuesday. Uh, earlier today, the Pac-12 announced that as a conference, they're postponing all competition until January 1st. So that, that includes every sport, you know, all the way through basketball. That impacts the basketball schedule, too. For the big sky – uh, there have been, there's already been some modified schedules like volleyball in particular is one where like their travel schedules is, has been radically changed. We've talked about on the show before. Um, is there, do you, does it seem that, you know, the football announcement is going to impact which, you know, which fall po- sports can or cannot be hosted or do we have any, you know, Eastern Washington, is not going to be playing? We, we know that in fall seasons does, uh, is there any sort of clarity we're getting on what we might see for volleyball or soccer and tennis? Yeah. So the, the approach we took with that a couple of weeks ago, we announced that we were pushing back the start of the competitive seasons for those other fall sports to September 18th. And the the reason we did that was to provide a little more um, time to analyze the situation, knowing that, for many of our schools in those sports, their opponents had already made the decision to go conference only. You know, a lot of them were supposed to play the, the Pac-12 or some other conferences. So they had lost those non-conference games. So in essence, that decision had been made for us um, in, in many cases. Now, um, still coming is, you know, final decision about those fall sports. And, and, you know, I expect that will be happening sooner than later here, but, you know, we have been looking at all those schedules to see what, you know, if we're able to proceed, what does that look like? You, you know, mentioned it, Brian, there about volleyball, but, you know, we've started looking at that from, you know, some of our other sports and, and to be ready for how not only to do it safely, but um, you know, how also can we do it as, cost efficiently as possible. So obviously travel every time, you know, you get on the road, you're spending money in order to do that. So when you're able to, you know, whether it's play multiple games at one site as the volleyball idea was, or you're able to regionalize travel a little more, uh, you know, as we've looked at some various models, you know, when you're on a bus versus a plane, you know, you obviously tend to, to save some dollars in doing that. So, you know, all those factors We've got uh, three committees in our league, a a football committee, a basketball committee, and an Olympic sports committee. 
and you know each of them take the lead at really looking at those specific sports for their committee and then you know it's comprised of uh, a couple ADs and a couple of senior women administrators and then they bring it to the, the larger AD and SWA groups to look at that but they're they're the ones that'll dig in deep with our conference office staff to um, see what makes sense you know from all facets of it to, to do it safely to do it efficiently um, and to do it cost effectively you know Dan I had a question kind of kind of for our, our listeners and our viewers um, we talk about all these a lot of these decisions are going to be made by the NCAA and sometimes that can get kind of confusing for people you know who is the NCAA are these is this appointed people? Are these hired individuals um, like Mark Emmert? Are they, um, or are they representatives from schools? Um, you know, like the Division One football committee who's going to decide on the FCS championship, and then the people who are going to sign a red shirts are those individual people on committees from schools, or are these like hired individuals? Like who is? Yeah, ultimately, the NCAA has some boards. You know, board of governors, board of directors that uh, will make make these decisions. And the membership of those boards, you know, is largely comprised of people from the membership, from schools, whether, you know, they're, they're presidents um, or other administrators on campuses. You know, somebody like a, a Mark Emmert is the president of the NCAA. Um, just like with, with our commissioner, though, you know, when you're a membership-based organization, you know, your job is to, to coordinate and to to lead, but ultimately, um, and, and your opinion may very well be sought, hopefully it is, but your, your members are making those decisions. So it's the, the collection of it. You know, there's been a shift in how this has looked over the last five, 10 years. And certainly those um, autonomous five or power five, as uh, it's more commonly known, conferences have more representatives than they had in the past. So their voice carries more weight because they have more votes. So, you know, that model's kind of changed over time. And there are some um, decisions there that, you know, they're going to want to retain. Uh, and this is where that uh, autonomous five, right? They're going to want to retain the autonomy to make some decisions that they don't want made. Uh, they don't want to be restricted from being able to do something because others don't want to do it. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of been a, a pivot point here in how the NCAA, um, you know, if you go back in its history, it used to be, you know, one school, one vote. And I don't know how many division one schools, there's now 350 some of them. There weren't quite that many then, but, you know, everybody had an equal say in, in the way that was held then. And, you know, it was more like the Senate and now it's more like the house of representatives in, in how it's structured. So, um, you know, we, we do have people who serve in leadership positions. One of our presidents is on one of the NCAA boards, which is great because not every conference is represented. So for us, you know, to have a, a literal seat at the, that table is wonderful. And, you know, we do have people on the football oversight committee and, and the FCS selection committee. So um, we, we pay particular attention when they ask for nominations and do our best to try to make sure we have representation there. You know, you're not guaranteed it um, with the conferences like ours, but, you know, we always put forth a, a strong nominee in the hopes of being able to make sure that, you know, we're part of those meetings. Yeah, and, and Dan, so it's it's funny, we're coming full circle kind of. Uh, Brian and I met you last year, I believe it was on your first day on the job at Big Sky Kickoff uh, in yeah. Spokane. 13 months have passed. You've Gotten a, a full football season, survived the parade of, of angry Twitter fans for whatever reason they were angry about that day, whether it be refs, their team, something. Uh, you've been part of a new opening of, of the Big Sky office. Um, you got to see a little bit of, a, a you know, one full basketball tournament and, and the process of another one, um, or sorry, the process of one. And I guess tell us kind of what are some of your highs, you know, best experiences you've had in these first 13 or so months on the job? Yeah, you know, it's been, like you said, Chris, one year, though, I mean, this has to count like a dog year, I think, right, <laughs> with everything we've been through. So um, 13 months, uh, you know, certainly has gone quickly. 
um, it, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed it, you know, even more than I thought I would. I mean, this is brand new for me, brand new turf working for a conference office. It's brand new for me um, living out in the West. You know, I think that that's one of the first things that comes to mind of being able to visit all these places I'd never been before. And I hope to be getting back to that but much sooner than later. Unfortunately, I didn't make it around to every every campus quite yet in the eight months or whatever it was um, that I'd been on the job before, you know, travel got shut down. So I hope to be able to do that soon. And, you know, the best part about doing that, obviously seeing the sites and getting to go to different places um, and, and see our venues, but, you know, it's just getting to meet all these people. And, and, you know, we've got just a great people across the big sky and mm-hmm. people who care so much about, um, their schools and, and seeing them succeed. And, uh, you know, whether it's our, our fan bases and, and guys like yourself and, you know, it was great to see your passion on day one to different mm-hmm. administrators we've met and to, interact with some of our student athletes at some of our championships. I was at our cross country championship in Greeley and obviously in Boise for our, our women's and men's basketball championships um, to the coaches and getting to, to know them and, and the athletic directors and the, the presidents, you know, you could go right on down the line. Um, there's been a lot of great uh, people and, and I, you know, I look forward to uh, when we, return to normal, hopefully sooner than later, who knows when it'll be, but, um, you know, right now we're, we're doing the best we can given, you know, the situation we're in, but I certainly miss that a lot of, you know, visiting with, um, everybody who cares about the big sky and getting to spend time and learn more about it. You know, everybody's, um, been really patient and coaching me up, which is important. Um, and, you know, we'll see what the, the future holds, but I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, we'll be playing games and um, be back in person uh, sooner than later. Yeah. Oh, I, once again, you know, thank you for coming on. Uh, before we let you go, we do a segment on here called Getting Iced, which we've been putting you on the hot seat, especially more than most of our guests today. Uh, <laughs> so we were, we're going to return the opportunity where you're going to be able to ask us a question. It can be life related. It can be about sports. It can be whatever you want. We're going to do a quick ad read, give you some time to think about it. And then when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll have you ask away. Have your summer plans been canceled? Are you having a hard time finding a backup plan? Well, don't fret and don't look too far away. There are amazing options right out your back door that offer the ultimate mix of fun and adventure. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States for the ultimate form of social distancing. Hughes River Expeditions has run first-class trips on rivers in the West since 1976. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the Salmon River Canyons, the Selway, or even a special trip like the one this year to see the Perside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, hike amazing trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history all along the river's edge, and fish some of the remote most remote stretches of river in the lower 48 and let Hughes River Expeditions handle everything else. Hughes River Expeditions is vandal owned and operated and is ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. HRE is booking trips now through 2023. Don't miss out on a once in a lifetime trip right here in the gem state. You can check them out at HughesRiver.com or give them a call at the HRE office. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bowl down world-class rapids right here in the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882. That's 800-262-1882. There has never been a better time than now to get fresh air in the Idaho backcountry. All right, Dan, getting iced. Hit us with your best shot. All right. One question or, or one question for each of you? What do we? How's this work? It's yours. You can do it however you would like. All right. All right. So I've got three different questions. Okay. Um, I'm going to start, you know, since we were talking about spring football, tell me about, you know, all right, you guys are the judge and jury. You're, you know, you're commissioner of the big sky for a day here. What does the spring football season look like to you? Alex, let's do your former player. What would you like yeah. to see? Um, spring football to me, you know, I ideally I'd love to see that full conference slate eight games, the teams we were supposed to be scheduled plan. Um, you know, I'm not going to 
you can get into like the the health aspect of what could happen. Um, you know, some people are hopeful for vaccine by then, others not so much. Um, I, I see hopefully maybe places like Idaho having you know five thousand fans in the stands at least. Um, and who I, I look at the success of the XFL last year a little bit in TV ratings and um, kind of some news out of the Big 12. While we're recording this podcast, the Big 12 is planning on playing, so we might see split football almost all year round. So people could be hungry for football come March and April, and it could be a really unique uh, aspect for FCS conferences to kind of capture and uh, get our name out there a little bit more. And if there's a championship football in the spring and FCS playoffs, could be a really well-watched, uh, well-watched ticket to have. Memorial Day weekend championship. Yeah. That'd be nice. I mean, we have a dome, so February and March weather doesn't really affect us, but I feel bad for, for Montana and Eastern. <laughs> Don't feel bad for them. No, you're right. <laughs> Just say the first time for everything there. If you're really yeah. <laughs> All right, so good, good answer there. All right, second question here. All right, so Chris, okay. I assume you've already put a deposit down for a suite in the new basketball arena there on campus, <laughs> right? It's being built. Uh, so what, what special amenities are going to be part of the – the tubs in the club, sweet. <laughs> you know, uh, well, once we ink a new deal here with Montucky, maybe that's a possibility. A nice little tubs at the club, sweet at, at the new ICCU arena. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm super excited for the ICCU arena. And I'm not even necessarily a huge basketball fan. I mean, I follow a Vandal basketball, but uh, I'm super excited to see what that is. I definitely already have got a plan to make sure I'm at that first game and probably start making it more of a, a yearly pilgrimage from the Seattle area to actually go check out one or two basketball games. But, yeah, I'm excited to see TV, get some Vandal dogs in there, uh, hopefully a couple of wins against Eastern Washington and Montana. That would be great. Uh, maybe Boise State finally makes a trip up there. That would be big. But, uh yeah, I'm just going to be excited to get you know have Coach Claus get this team rolling again and have a finally a dedicated basketball arena for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the university wants to hit us up with a suite, I don't think any of us would say no. <laughs> well, I look forward to the invite to that that suite someday. Right? Yeah, well, have, first guest. Yeah, you and Tom for sure. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right, so final question. Uh, Brian, since I know you, you know, you're from the, the general area there, you know, I mentioned one of the things I really enjoy traveling around and getting to explore, you know, parts of the country I hadn't been to. So give me a, a place that needs to be on my bucket list there, whether it's in Moscow or somewhere else in the gem state that I need to make sure, you know, when I, I can travel again, that I, I make sure I get to. You know, a lot of people would say Coeur d'Alene, which is Coeur d'Alene is where I live. Uh, and it really depends on when you come. If you're going to come in the summer, I, I would say Coeur d'Alene is the best. We have about, I think it's like four lakes or something like that. It's enough that I lose count. We have, a, like, growing up, I thought public pools were a relic strictly from 1950 period peace films. Uh, it wasn't until I got married that I realized, no, dude, that's not the case. Mo- lots of people grow up with pools. That, that's just not, not how it is here. Uh, but we've, you know, the downtown area has, it, it's, trying to take on a little bit more of a city vibe in a positive way in terms of like a ton of new restaurants that come in. Uh, there's a really big park that's been beautified, uh, which actually even has like a sensory playground for uh, particularly for kids with special needs. Um, but there's also, you know, water stuff for kids who are, who don't have special needs. But if you are a person who has any sort of family, um, yeah, Coeur d'Alene, I think it is a pretty easy place to get around and you can easily find a lot to do. Plus it's a 30 minute drive then over to Spokane and, I mean, I can't endorse Boise because of Boise State, so I, I think that's what I'm left with. And you can get to Sandpoint really easy from Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, Priest, Priest Lake yeah. too. Uh, it's a good, good spot to be, north north and central Idaho. North Idaho. McCall. I'd say McCall. McCall's fun. I'd, yeah. I'd go south. That's about it. If you're, if you're into skiing, you got Ketchum in Sun Valley. That's a big one too. Yeah. yeah. But, all right. Dude, well, Dan. Oh, yeah. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I've been to – Moscow. I've been to Pocatello. I've made many trips throughout the year to Boise, Boise in, pre- <laughs> in the preparation for our basketball championship. So um, I'm glad you mentioned somewhere I haven't been yet. So now I got another place to add to the list. Yeah. All right, Dan, uh, before we let you go, one last thing, let the people know how they can find you if you want them to find you uh, and let them know what you got going on in your life or what the conference has got going on. 
I appreciate that. I, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm happy to uh, engage with fans of the Big Sky. Uh, I can be reached there at Big Sky Deputy. And, uh, you know, we're headquartered here. I live in Salt Lake City, our office. Uh, I believe it still exists in Farmington. I haven't been there in a while. So <laughs> I hope to get back there uh, soon. But, uh, you know, that's just 15 minutes north of Salt Lake City. So it's a, a good spot for us near the airport. So when we hosted in-person meetings, it was convenient for that. And we'll get back to that day uh, at some point. But happy to engage with our fans, uh, you know, on Twitter and uh, appreciate everybody that, that cares about the big sky. So, you know, that's the thing that uh, has made this league so much fun, you know, is to see the, the passion that our fan bases have. And, uh, you know, certainly we we'll want to keep growing those fan bases. So anything we can do to help that cause, that's what we're here for. Perfect. And I got to tell you, Dan, oh, this yeah. is not going to help our podcast listeners, but of quarantine haircuts, whoever does your hair is the MVP of our season. <laughs> my, my wife, so I will let her know. Man, you need a good haircut. You got to that. Salt Lake. I appreciate <laughs> the kind words, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Dan. Thank you again for tuning in or you know joining us and all that you and Tom are doing and being uh, you know really. I feel like you guys are always on ahead of the ball um, and and really setting the tone. And I know as somebody who's been a part of some conferences, uh, with being an Idaho fan that. Don't ever feel that way, a.k.a. the dead whack. Um, it, it's nice to see that. So thank you guys and keep up all the good work. Thank you. appreciate you guys having me on. Take right. good care. Thanks, Stay Dan. safe. Yep. See you, Dan. You too. See ya. All right. So us, you guys, the New Jerseys, act like you hadn't seen them before. Like them, love them, give them a rating. A bottle of Heinz mustard. <laughs> How do we want to rate these? How many tubs you'd buy right. for it? Or real, real quick, Chris. Uh, if you're not watching, Portland Timbers just scored in the MLS's back final, one nil, twenty seventh minute. Um, oh, so sure ruined my Tuesday. So um, <laughs> the jerseys. Um, you know, I, I'm a proponent of the gold we've used for the last, you know, twenty odd years. Um, you know, I, I, I think that was a step forward in the '90s, and now I feel like you know it's a step, not a step back. Um, to the new gold, I guess, whatever they want to call it. But the helmets could have been, could be worse, in my opinion. I think it looks pretty slick with the silver uh, vandals. So I'm assuming we'll also see a silver Idaho. That's something we've done. Um, Idaho on the road, vandals at home on side of the helmets the last few years. Um, for our, our listeners, we're going to get new away jerseys, um, white pants, white tops. Uh, they'll have that combination, that, that new gold with black as accents. Uh, we're not getting new home uniforms for a year. We're going to be sticking with the same uniforms we've had. And there is no, when they got those uniforms, they made sure there is actually no old gold on those. They were just black and white, little gray on them. Um, so the helmets won't really accent those. So overall, like them. Um, I'd love to see us kind of do a Montana state style gold rush jersey. If we're really going to own this, let's, let's go all in, you know, let's just, let's just own it. Let's own up. In App State, we've seen the last few years we've played our color scheme um, to what we've gone to, and they've pulled off, um, you know, that that gold jersey. So, future, that's what I'm hoping for. See, I'm just afraid we're gonna do it like like the Idaho ass eyes. Like somehow we'll screw it up. But I guess I'm once again we're not turning the page forward with that. That's I'm thinking of Nellis and Staben and Spear and. We got green, we got Gallic. I got to think we can pull it off. But, man, when you said we should do a gold rush all yellow, I'm like, one, it's all yellow. It's going to be like a mustard out. And, two, I just see. No pants. Uh, we, At least keep the pants white or black. You know, we can, we've, we've screwed this up too many times for me to have faith in it. But, you know what? They're growing on me. When I first saw it, I was like, ah, I mean, I, I knew it was going to happen. But when you first see the yellow, you're like, no. Like, I was holding out maybe another year we'd, we'd be gold. But, um, you know, I, I'm like you, I'm just excited to see Idaho trying stuff, I guess. Uh, in the last couple of years, I used to always complain that we, I mean, we've had black forever. And right when it seemed like everybody was doing blackout jerseys, we, we weren't. We were nowhere to be found with blackout jerseys. Then we roll out blackout jerseys as that fad kind of went away. And, you know, I, I'm just glad we're finally like ahead of the curve or on the curve. And so, you know, if I don't like it, I don't like it. It's not that hard to change back from yellow to gold. Do I think it's going to happen in two years? No, but um, 
I just want to see, you know what? If we're going to go back to that 80s, 90s yellow, let's throw Grumpy Joe on it. Chris will be a happy Chris if we get Grumpy Joe on it. But otherwise, I'm I'm pretty down on it. But if we win, I don't care what we're wearing. How about that? See, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I love – I actually love the the way the new helmets look. It, listeners, if you haven't seen it, you can, you can look at what the helmets look like just by hopping on the Idaho football Twitter. But it's the – the main col- the color of the helmet is pride gold, which is yellow. Uh, but instead of you know Idaho in block letters, it's vandals and script. And yeah, I I like it. I I'm Alex. I'm with you. I think uh, I think we've got some options for you know kind of wild you know yellow kind of uniform you know once a year. But um, I mean maybe this is just me liking the retro stuff because my favorite logo is the flaming heads. Uh, Grumpy Joe being mm. second. I. Uh, I, I like the direction it's going. You know, for, for the, everyone who hasn't, doesn't follow all of us on Twitter, they missed a Twitter exchange right before this where Chris and Brian threatened to break up <laughs> off of this view alone. Uh, Brian, and I Brian was did the, that? Yeah, you, I, was I, the, I was caught in the middle of this. There we go. When it was a promise. It was a promise. But uh, what would you name your fictional new Vandal podcast there, Brian? The Yellow and Gold Show or the Yellow, Silver and Yellow Show? <laughs> the Gold Rush. Call it the Gold Rush. <laughs> you can listen yeah, to the oh Mustard Vandal podcast or you can get ketchup like mustard over here. The Flaming Heads Vandal Hour, except like it would not be heads plural. It would again just be me talking by myself. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, Chris, I like how you brought that up. I like the the video we just showed. I think, it, you know, as long as we keep, the, I think, the uh, silver script, whether it's either Block Idaho um, or maybe a Grumpy Joe or whatever we use up there, I like the I like the silver. Um, I was always a proponent when I played that we use more silver, so I was really happy when we got the silver uniforms, which RIP. Um, but, you know, I, I think as long as we keep gold and silver as our colors, because those are our colors. Those Those are our colors, not not black. Black is not one of our colors. Never has been. Um, I actually, my favorite uniform is back from the seventies when John Yarno played, um, when we wore, rocked the gold, the silver helmets with like the, the gold tops and the silver pants. So, but we can talk uniforms all day. I could go all day on this. <laughs> all right. Well then if that's the case, we should probably move into the old transfer portal. Wait, actually I got one thing I want to run by you guys before we get to our transfer portal yep. update. I really wanted to answer this when Dan asked, but he asked Alex. So spring season, presuming it's, let's just presume it's medically feasible, which is a huge presumption. My view is that we're, we really will as an FCS entirety have to be cautious about the length of the season, including the playoff. Tell me how you guys feel about this. Six game regular season, six game conference season with two non-conference. So the teams that need money can schedule games. But the conference splits into two, splits in half unofficially. So that we have, you know, uh, East and West or North and South division. The winner plays, the winner, sorry, the winner of each conference can play in our championship game. That's layered within, now this will never happen, but I really wish it would. FCS takes a pennant approach just for this year. We can't do four weeks. We got to do two. It's just a final four. What are you guys' thoughts? Final four? Hmm. I'd say at least eight. Or yeah, I think you got to give at least if you're going to do it, you got to give at least every conference a bid. You know, I think that's where we could end up seeing it is a automatic bid. Um, which how many? Sorry that I always forget this. How many FCS conferences are there? Thirteen that play and in the playoffs. I think ten. Yeah. Ten. It's ten that play in the playoffs. So maybe it's maybe it's a sixteen team playoff, or maybe it's a twelve, and we see like one or two at large get in. Um, yeah, but I don't think anything more than 16 would be feasible because what we were talking about there, 16, eight, four, two, that's four rounds. That's tough. That's yeah. tough. I, I, I think the best way to do it, 16 week season. So you're looking at about, you know, about three months, three and a half, four months, um, eight game schedule. I think what Brian, what you said, I think maybe you could do a preseason tune up game. If you want, if you need the money and you can go play a big 12 school or if you're a school like Idaho, 
and you get to play them in the fall to stuff that budget, that's fine. But I think you do 16 weeks, eight games, game, bye week, game, bye week, game, bye week, giving the rest in case there is infections, that you have a two-week buy-in um, where at least if you're not practicing, you can quarantine, you know, you can at least quarantine the people that are sick and then have them in at least available for games in case of emergency. Now, it doesn't mean it won't happen when they're on campus. Um, what I actually like to see, and I actually saw it, I think it was on college game day yesterday, and I know it sounds like a joke, but a bubble. It sucks, but let's be honest, we're not going to have fans at the game anyways. Ah, oh, But this is what they didn't think about this, they're student athletes. Well, if some of these classes are still, some of these schools are still online at this time. I actually saw somebody says, go wherever their championship game is. I think it was the SEC that say, put put the SEC, everybody in, in Atlanta, and they play in the Georgia Dome. Pac-12, put everybody in Vegas, and they play in there. And then that's all, they're just there, and they're playing that. And every week, you know that, but then... I now I'm thinking about it. How the heck does that work with, with class? You, you, scratch you know, that idea. You know about the spring. I think a lot of it depends on on COVID related developments with vaccines in the next how many was that six months? Um, you know, I, I I'm not saying that a vaccine is definitely going to be done. I'm just saying the news that we have had so far has been promising, at least in that going towards that. Um, you know, some of the medical experts seem to think a vaccine by the end of this year is definitely feasible. Mm -hmm. And then if that does, I'm not, you know, this is a lot of what ifs, but this is how these are. These are how these conferences are having to plan what's going on is they're going, okay, we think the medical experts right now think a vaccine end of the year by January feasible. How could they get that rolled out? And I think the government has been really trying to uh, um, buy enough doses for every person in the country and get that ready to go. You know, if you, you have, if you read on that, gamble, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big gamble. Um, you know, but is there a possible, do we have more of a possibility of having the vaccine by March or April than we do by October? Ready to go out to everyone? Absolutely. So, you know, that's why I think that's why I was always opponent of pushing the sprint, pushing football to the spring. Um, you just have a higher chance of having a more normal season, at least with fans in the stands, or be able to play games. Um, I guess before we get to, you know, transfer portal, Chris, I did want to talk about, yeah, the big 12 today, while we're recording this podcast, did announce they are going to play fall football. And that's massive because what we're now going to see this, the big 12 was basically the linchpin for FBS football in the fall. If the F, if big 12 folded, ACC was going to fold Sunbelt conference USA, AAC and the SEC were all going to fold at the spring. But now I think you're going to see a possibility where we see six conferences play in the fall and some play in the spring. Right now, the Mountain West, the MAC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 all said, hey, we're playing in the spring. Every other conference has stood pat at fall football and are staying there. Um, their medical doctors say it's possible. You know, there's some arguments that having the football is actually – Yeah, the Sunbelt doctors, yeah. Um, but, you know – some doc, these conferences argue that, hey, it's actually safer for our guys to play and keep them here in our environment. That's what Nick Saban back, said, yeah. It, it, you know, which is a really, it's a, it's a really interesting argument. Um, maybe for these Power 5 schools that have the money for these medical expenses, the money, money for these tests and the ability to keep these guys. But when you're talking about schools like Idaho and Eastern, who they're going, crap, every round of testing costs us 20 grand. And we're supposed to test, you know, What's our testing look like? We're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that we don't have. And we're not playing Florida anymore. And we're not playing Florida. We're not playing, you know, we're not playing Wazoo anymore. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it made sense for maybe the, comp, you know, maybe the schools who have the money to pay for that kind of medical care mm -hmm. makes more sense for them. I, I also think about this, you know, schools like Wazoo postponed, they canceled fall semester. So what are we talking about? Who's on campus? in the fall basically just student athletes so we're talking about student athletes out of schools that may, might have no class in the fall they are already providing medical medical care than where they would be if they weren't maybe it doesn't make sense for some of these schools but for idaho for the big sky does not make sense to play in the fall that's why i was a proponent of moving to spring we're talking about the wealthiest schools that can afford to do this and even then it's going to hurt them because they are missing out on so much money um it's not they're not able to recover from it so it's a, it's a, it's a complete gamble, but I think we're looking more towards, we might be watching football guys from, from September 
through maybe Memorial Day. I think that's a real possibility we could be looking at. Hey, um, and the XFL's coming back. Maybe it just becomes well, a summer league and we get it all and the, year. And the NFL <laughs> said they're going to play in the, on Saturdays potentially. To fill, yeah, to fill they're TV excited. Spots. Yeah, and they want gonna, it's, it's I'm worried about spot. that. <laughs> so, but. I don't know. I know it's kind of a long-winded talk, but I think we could be headed towards a split college football season where we see some teams at conferences play in the fall and some play in the spring. And yeah. Hopefully the FCS can move the championship to the fall. The NCAA, I mean, the spring, the NCAA allows that, and that'll solve a lot of uh, the big sky's headaches. Long rant over, sorry. You're good. Brian? No, dude, that's – you guys bring up a lot of points. The reason I referenced um, – and, again, I don't think the playoff thing is necessarily feasible, but I, I think – a spring season's actually going to have to be more contracted than a lot of people imagine right now, which mm-hmm. is why in my head, you know, do a pennant style. Yeah, it's not fair, but who cares? It's a weird year, but the consolation is conferences can do like a conference championship kind of, kind of game. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, let's say, you know, let's say you're, um, you know, big sky has a two way tie for first and a coin, you know, the playoff committee selects Idaho over a Weber state Weber State still, you know, they get rewarded with having a, uh, you know, a championship game. They get to play or something like that. I mean, the order might not exactly work, but again, my view is that it would potentially let conferences um, allow players to have, you know, an extra game that had some sort of meaning and had some some real stakes in it. Uh, but just the playoffs, I mean, I, I don't know if we have a month for the playoffs. I think they might have two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be yeah. to be done and have the next yeah. season be kind of feasible because we are. You talk about a month playoff after eight and eight game schedule, you're starting to get down to, um, you know, is, is that extra two weeks enough to say this is feasible? Yeah. Well, it's, it might boil down to when March madness happens. You know, I think we might be calling it May madness this year. Cause I think that's when it might kind of roll around. Um, maybe, maybe the biggest news out of today affecting Idaho that we don't even think about is the basketball game with Wazoo. This is the longest continually played college basketball game in the country outside of the Ivy League. And props to Idaho and for Wazoo for swallowing their Pac-12 pride and playing us every year, home and away, keeping it true rival game. This game is now a threat. This is the longest game continually played in the in college basketball outside of the Ivy League, which not many people realize. Um, so you know, hopefully, uh, um, Pat, Sean, and Terry can sit down and figure out, you know. <laughs> A one Even way if it's you know? exhibition, yeah, yeah, something, yeah. So that that's one thing I hope uh, we can still get done. Yeah. All right. Transfer portal, Brian. Yeah, we touched on this last week. Uh, Eastern Washington President Mary Cullinan has officially stepped down. Now, a little more news, similar to a situation us vandals might be familiar with. Uh, President Cullinan is now Professor Cullinan. And I, I think that the guy's name right now, David Day, is the interim president, or David May is the interim president. I really think this is looking like a perfect alignment. You know, they had a president go from uh, president to, prof- to professor. We have a guy who already did that, who could, you know, maybe do the inverse over there. So what I want all our listeners to do, I actually did this. Uh, with a different issue, but the board of trustees email for Eastern Washington university is just board of trustees at ew.edu email the board of trustees, tell them how much you absolutely love Chuck Staben, how much of an asset he would be to them, particularly in this time where we might see some transitionary needs that school has not that many people have a background there. So, I mean, seriously, listeners, not joke board of trustees at ew.edu Give him your best Chuck Staben story. Well, I love it. I think yeah. there's actually a real transfer portal news for Idaho. Jalen yeah. Hoover. Jalen Hoover. Yeah, the transfer portal might actually evolve into covering the transfer portal. <laughs> uh, Jalen Hoover announced uh, JMU, I think, is down three All-Americans. UNI has three people that have entered. South Dakota uh, State had one. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I touched on it once again in my piece about the questions about spring ball, like, Guys like Trey Lance, Eric Berrier, you got pro status. Big 12's playing football this year. There's probably some teams that could use, maybe not 
Perrier. I know Eastern fans won't want to hear that, but you're Trey Lance. North Dakota State's not playing. Let's say Iowa State needs you. I'm just saying, yeah, it might hurt your draft stock. You might be better just setting out the whole year, but um, all very interesting. It will be interesting to see, but one thing to remember, I've, I've seen this a lot, people forget that just because you enter the transfer portal doesn't mean you're transferring. It, it means you're opening yourself up to be recruited to transfer. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're out. So I've seen a lot of people going, oh, these guys are screwed. No one's going to sign them, and they're going to have nowhere to go. I'm like, no, I mean, yeah, their spot might get taken on the team, but as we know, we can't really recruit right now. No one's signing the FCS teams via transfer, so – um, I think we're pretty all right, and I, I expect you're going to see more of these dominoes start, I won't say falling, but announcing they're at least going to enter the portal and, and take a stab at it. Why why wouldn't you? If you're a senior or junior, and this is your chance to play and maybe make the pros, I, I, it makes a lot of sense. But You know, Alex, you probably have a better idea about this than us, so I guess one of the things I mm-hmm. wanted to throw to you is in your – so in your mind – I mean, I know for the most part, as I've heard coaches being interviewed, when a player enters a transfer portal, we're just viewing you as not really being on the team anymore. Do you think with how, you know, atypical, let's say this year has been, there's a chance that coaches feel they need to be a little bit cushier about that? Yeah, maybe. Um, but but knowing Coach Petrino, um, no. You know, he's a – you, you make a decision like that to, to leave, to leave your teammates and your team. And, you know, someone like Jalen Hoover who came you know, all the way across the country from, uh, from Mississippi, Branch, Mississippi, right? Yeah. Um, you know, out of all the guys, I'm trying to think about all the guys who have transferred from Idaho over the, over the years while I was there. I don't know if too many of them went out on the best of relations with Petrino, except maybe Jake Luton. And that's just because he went to a junior college. He didn't go somewhere else right away. He, you know, that was more, he you know, saw that kind of talent, you know, props to Jake for taking a bet on himself because it worked. But of all the guys I've seen leave and transfer, I don't know. He's not the, you know, I don't know. But maybe this year could be different with everything going on. Maybe you- Jalen felt like he needed to be closer to home. So, you know, that, that could be that kind of situation. Are you telling me Chad Chalich and Paul Petrino didn't get along? I don't think they're the best of friends. I don't think they send <laughs> each other Christmas cards. Uh, anyways, um, so it'll be interesting to see all that stuff falls. Um, podcast news. We don't really know what to tell you. We're working on how this is all going to go in the fall. Mostly, it sounds like we're going to try to queue up some Vandal-centric interviews for you guys. So Dan was a big one. Obviously, we're supposed to be on a week from now. We're here now. I think we're going to go bi-weekly uh, just because – content wise now if we're getting a ton of people fall out of the woodwork and we're getting mikey apati and and mark schlereth and you know everybody yarno from we can't even find dates to book these people then maybe we'll be going weekly but until well maybe basketball or something starts up in the winter expect us to go bi-weekly with a vandal centric interview um that hopefully you guys will enjoy i know we've already reached out to quite a few uh, people and have some ideas kicking around that I think you guys will like. But if there's somebody you want to hear, you know how to find us on Twitter by now. So so do that. Uh, make sure you follow the Big Sky. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, as of right now, we're still scheduled to play at, at Temple. That's true. 12th. So we will have football. There's no no news on that. That's a month from tomorrow. We're supposed to play a football game. As of right now. Yeah. And we don't even know if we can practice, it sounds like, according to Dan. But uh, Nope. Yeah. So I- interesting stuff. So we still have stuff to cover. So we're not going anywhere. We're still podcasting. We'll talk Vandals. Just let us know what you want to talk about, and hopefully we get to cover one to three football games. It sounds like uh, we're going to be playing a little bit of a mixed bag this year, so it might be a little interesting. Uh, Follow Big Sky Podcast Network at Big Sky Podcasts. Uh, We're happy to be the Vandal affiliate here, but uh, we're also working with them, us, I guess, to figure out what the heck we're going to do with that. So any ideas there, hit us up on that. Um. You can support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club. We have different giving levels there and with different perks. Check it out. Uh, let's see. Anything else you guys think I missed before it's time for the best band on the land? Take I'll that just say, for, oh. for anyone who can donate at all, sorry, anyone who can donate, every donation on Patreon helps. It co- goes to cover our costs goes to make this long-term feasible. So for people who've already donated, thank you. And if you can add to it, 
we'd more than appreciate it. And also just a side note for when we get suggestions about what to talk about. Full disclosure, we, we have already put together that talking to the administration would be helpful. Yeah, like <laughs> obvious ones, we've got them. More outside your box thinking is like when people, Eric, I saw that's a, that was a great example of like, probably wouldn't have thought of that, but we got it and it would turn out to be one of our best episodes. So stuff like that, they think maybe we might just miss while we're doing juggling all the, the options we've got here. Um, but yes, quick thank you to all our Patreons, uh, Dallas Hammer, Sean Kramer, Matthew, Janicek, all our Tub Club members. We also have some Tub Token Thank you, everybody that has signed up. Uh, and after that, we kept it just about an hour for the first time in a while. So with that, best band in all the land, Santa Vida. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Go band. Go band. Go band. Go band. Go band.